Hey, what's going on, guys? Uh, welcome to the Black Financial Channel. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins, and we're going to talk about millennials. I was reading in CNBC that millennials are uh, basically rejecting corporate America, that a lot of millennials are not interested in getting those jobs in middle management and being at a company for 40 years and getting the gold watch. And I'm going to explain to you why they're actually on the right track, why they figured out some things that their parents have not. So uh, I've actually got a special guest, Dr. Alicia, who's here uh, to speak on that issue as well. So we're going to get started. So buckle up your seatbelt, get comfortable. We're going to get started on the Black Financial Channel right now. Hey, everybody, what's going on? Welcome to the Black Financial Channel. This is theblackfinancialchannel.com. This is uh, where I, Dr. Boyce Watkins, your fun, friendly neighborhood finance professor, breaks down economic issues from a black perspective. We believe that black people can do it by ourselves. We believe in building black wealth, and we believe in taking care of the community, solving our own problems. If you agree with this philosophy, put a hashtag B in the number one. Hashtag B1 means that we put black first. That's what we believe. So uh, today I was reading the CNBC about millennials and uh, there was a story where basically they were claiming in a study that millennials are not interested in corporate America. Millennials are not interested in the things that uh, a lot of people grew up with maybe in the 80s and the 90s. Uh, millennials are looking for different ways to uh, find their bliss when it comes to their economic uh, opportunities and activity. And so uh, give me a yes or no if you kind of noticed that. Have you noticed that millennials are a little bit different? Uh, give me a yes or no if you kind of observed that. And sometimes we have conversations about it. We make jokes like, oh, this millennial came to work at the company and they wanted to be the CEO on the first day. So there's like a lot of funny jokes, but maybe it's not so funny. Maybe they're actually, they actually have a point. So Alicia's here with me. Um, say hi, Alicia. Hello. And that makes perfect sense to me. I think... Um, Wait, so millennials are, how old are they now? They're in their 20s and maybe early 30s? Yeah. How old they are yeah. Right now? Yeah, millennials are kind of old now. Like, they used to be, like, <laughs> the teenagers, but nah, man, millennials are almost 40. <clears throat> okay, so millennials are, I don't know if they're almost 40. They are in their, like, like my brother's a millennial. He's 30, he he's really? going to be 38 this year, yeah. Okay, so that makes sense because think about all of us who grew up in the 80s. It was all about the me generation. It's about making money. I'm remembering that movie. There were a bunch of movies about Wall Street. And we're just interested in corporate greed. Remember those movies, boys? Yeah, I remember those movies. What is it called? Like the yuppie generation? Wasn't that the 80s? The yuppie generation? I don't know what it's called. Is it yuppies? I don't think they were called yuppies. What were they called? Like people who were interested in just money. I'm thinking about. That I mean, I remember the word. I remember the word yuppie, but I don't remember it being the yuppie generation. Or is it buppies? I don't know the word, but I know that it was. There was a lot of movies out about how when you were entering in the workforce, you were just interested in making money, and that was it, the bottom line. But what I've noticed is that a lot of millennials. I get a lot of millennials who want to be therapists. You know, who want to be. Um, they want to have an impact. They want to see that the work that they do has a bigger impact on the world more so than just a corporate bottom line. Don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, um, when I was uh, talking about, you know, the black lives matter founders being, um, Marxist, um, I remember I said, you know, before I even talk about it, I'm going to re- look it up. And one of the things that Karl Marx, uh, said there was a legitimate critique of capitalism is that capitalism it basically has you doing work that has no meaning at all. It's just part of a corporation. You're trying to make a profit. 
and it's just not very fulfilling. Um, so I actually agree with that. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. They, they want to, um, I think they've seen their parents work in these corporations for long hours and then get pushed out of, you know how corporations are. You can get pushed out of your position and pushed out of your job, and they just don't want that for themselves. Actually, that goes back to another Karl Marx critique of capitalism. He, he said that capitalism is subject to a lot of booms and busts. So, and, and we, millennials, one thing the CNBC article mentioned very accurately is millennials went to college at a time where student loan, uh, student loans were going out of control. College tuition costs were getting ridiculous. The jobs were disappearing and paying less money and also the jobs had less security. And a lot of them actually came out of college, like right around the economic bust of 2008, which that was a terrible time to be trying to look for a job. You know, I'm really curious, how are millennials doing? Like, how are they doing financially? Do we know? Um, I don't have the studies in front of me, but I don't think millennials are doing as well as their parents. I think this was the first generation where the kids are doing worse than the parents are. And, um, you know, yeah, because when we were coming up, you know, we had a <laughs> lot of examples of people that were doing better than their Almost everybody was doing better than their parents. But now it's kind of the opposite. You know, like you, you, a lot of the... Because I remember just kind of hearing things like, oh, yeah, these companies, they really want to have, you know, black employees that have that have, you know, bachelor's degrees. So everybody wanted to go to college and make good grades so they can get a good job. And the debt was not too bad. You could pay your student loans off and you would have a secure job with a company. And I know people that worked at companies for 20, 30 years. I didn't do it, but I know a lot of people who did. Interesting. So they're not doing very well and they don't see working in some big big gray looking building with no windows they think that's a prison <laughs> where they have to punch in nine to five they don't like that nine to five sort of environment where, well you right? know well you know the thing is is maybe it's evolution too because i know in my family my brother is a millennial he didn't go the corporate route he, he got when he graduated from college with a degree in engineering they offered him a nice job with ford or some one of the companies and i was the one who who came up in the previous generation who said to him, like, yo, don't do that. You know, my brother's 12 years younger than me. And I didn't tell him what to do, but I said, man, why not go be free? Like, live, <laughs> live your life, bro. Like, you don't even want to do this job. You know, why would you spend the majority of your waking hours on this earth doing something that you hate? Like, I mean, think about that. That is, you know, I'm not a Marxist. I'm, I'm not a capitalist, but I'm not a Marxist. But Marx is right about that. Why would you spend the majority of your life doing work you hate around people that you don't even like, especially if you're black. And white people treat you like a damn damn slave dog and you up in there like like just taking all the butter biscuits like because you feel like that's your only option. It's a terrible feeling. Yeah, I love millennials. I'm inspired by them. I mean, they, they're in my classroom and they want to be social workers and they want to be, um, they want to work for nonprofits. So it's not necessarily the money so much. Like I don't find millennials to be like extremely materialistic. I find millennials to say, you know, I want a job with meaning. I want a job where I can go out and change the world. And they're so like eager, like all the Black Lives Matter. Okay, so whatever the political bias is there, put that aside. But that Black Lives Matter and all that protests and stuff, all you saw was millennials out there. I thought it was yeah. great. Well, that, that really shows a lot of progress. Um, now, mind you, the millennials I see 
are are mostly like men and women that follow me because they're into the wealth thing. So okay. they 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 I wouldn't call them materialistic, but they're very they're not materialistic. well. They're very committed to freedom, and they do like nice stuff though. Like they you know like like and I and I I don't have a problem with that. Like I think people if you want to if you want a, get a Mercedes, just invest your money so that the Mercedes ain't the only thing that you ever have. You know, if you want a nice house, get you a nice house. You know, like I think that's okay. Just do, just be balanced with everything. But, but I think that also um, that whole activism piece, which is really interesting. I remember in 2013, I had an event with Cornell West um, down in New York, in up in uh, Brooklyn, and I remember in 2013, Cornell West was basically complaining that the um, that millennials are sleepwalking, or not millennials. He said young people are sleepwalking. They're sleepwalking. No, yeah, yeah. No, I no, no. No, but here's the thing: uh-huh. they were sleepwalking in 2013. They woke up, and you know, really, it was mostly like the police shootings and, and and all of that. Like that, that started getting them out there, you know. But in 2013, it was true. They, you really didn't have, really? yeah. Young people were not. They didn't care about social issues at all. You know, at the, at the level that we wanted, it was it was really hard to get people to talk about social issues or or even black economics like it was really but now black economics has become one of the social issues that they're very active on and i think it's it's really tremendous progress oh that is really interesting okay i hadn't noticed that because i'm not i don't have my finger on the pulse of what's happening in the world like you do boys Mm. in greece i'm kind of secluded in my in my (laughs) ivy towers over here Yeah, which is why I wanted to get out of the ivory tower. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't enjoy being in academia that much, you know. But yeah, yeah. So I, I, I think you know. I don't know how many of you in here are in the millennial category or close to it. Um, and by the way, if you could hit the thumbs up button, take a second, hit the thumbs up button, subscribe, all that stuff. And also, allblackeconomics.com. That's the URL where you can go to to uh, get a free copy of my book. It takes a village to raise the bar. Um, you don't have to buy it. I'm giving it away for free. So um, it's a book that lays out the future of the black community, the future of the black family, uh, my vision for the next 70 years for black people. So if that's of interest to you, uh, it's a short read designed to be that way. Uh, feel free to go to that URL and you can get it for free. Um, you know, I, I would say that millennials have it right in that, you know, money, money is his thing, though. You know, money is power. And what happens is we didn't have balance. We, it's funny. It's funny. We saw D1, who's a millennial. You know, and he was his album is called Finding Balance. That's his new album. And we talked about balance, me and him just sitting there kicking it. We talked late into the night about balance. And I said that, you know, well, when you think about money, I think about balance. I didn't see balance when it came to how people view money. Either people worship money and were giving up years of their life for money, you know, destroying their health for money, destroying relationships over money, or they didn't value money at all. You know, they, they just would just not want to learn any financial literacy. You got your kids going to school learning how wonderful white people are, but they never learn a, sing, a single thing about how to manage the, one of the most important resources in the household. And then when they're broke and struggling, you know, credit all jacked up, ain't, ain't never owned a home, bought, a, bought two houses for your landlord, can't get $5 to squeeze together in order to get through an emergency. You know, people wonder how did that happen? They're like, oh, it's racism. No, maybe it's because you spend all your time in school learning all the wrong shit. That is so fascinating. So, like, talking to D1, because I talked to him, too, and I just remember thinking, good grief, like, when I was his age, I wasn't that advanced. (laughs) Like, it's almost, it was a learning curve that I had to have. Like, I wasn't, the information that young people have now, I didn't have it there at that age. 
I was seeking out information. So their consciousness coming into consciousness, right, has has um, that process is so much earlier. It's developed so much earlier in the millennials and even who's under the millennials uh, generation. Y? I don't know. They got the whole alphabet. <laughs> Is it generation, generation Z? Generation Z, Y, Z, Z generation double A. Like they just go like it's like every I don't even know. Like the baby, our baby's 10. I don't know what generation she's, she's in. I don't know if she's Z or whatever it's gonna be, but they know, gosh, if I had known at 10 what she knows, what she knows now. She knows a lot, but she knows a lot of crap. You know, like a lot of stuff they <laughs> lot of stuff they teach at school, like she's an expert on pronouns. And how people have different pronouns, and I, I'm not against that per se, but they make that into something bigger than it needs to be. And I'm like, no, your damn kids need to be experts on how to survive. Like, teach them the essentials first before we start getting into that stupid stuff. Yeah, cisgender, and she knows all about that. Yeah, and I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't like that mainly because I think black people need to learn survival skills. Like, we got to learn early how to be okay, you know. And I see a lot of people that are not okay. And I'm like, well, who was responsible for teaching you? Who was responsible for preparing you for the future? Like, whoever, whoever was responsible did not do their job. Wait, wait. You just said survival skills. I don't know. What do you mean by that, survival skills? A lot of it starts with money. Like, think about it. Think about it. Money is everywhere in your life. People think about money every day. The only thing people think about money, more than money, is sex. Right? Seriously. And, and so and think about it. Sex is related to your survival, too. Right? Your ability to reproduce and all that. So money... It's something that drives people's decisions every day. You know, I see people that date terrible people because they need the money. They um, take horrible jobs that they hate because of money. Uh, you'll hear somebody, you know, like they'll make life, like key life decisions over good. over very small amounts. But no, I talked to a young lady that I mentor who was a nurse and she was making good money. And I said, um, I said, so tell me about your life. What's going on with you? And she said, well, I want to go live in somewhere in the state, I came from South Carolina, something with my brother, and so that my kids can be raised with his kids and they could be near their cousins. She said, but if I get, you know, more money at this job, I'm going to stay here. And I said, how much more money is it? And it, let's say it was like $5,000 or something. I said, I don't really know if you want to change the trajectory of your entire life and the trajectory of the entire next generation over $5,000 a year. I'm not belittling the five grand. But I said, what? I said, maybe, you know, if you take a class and get a little side hustle where you can make that five grand in your side hustle, you can go do what you want to do. You can really live your best life. Like people, a lot of people ain't living their best life. They live in their second best life. Well, wait a minute. So, I mean, nurses are in demand right now. So no matter where you are in this country, if you are an RN, is she an RN? Yeah. Yeah. If you're an RN, no matter where you go, you're going to find a good job. So we need more RNs right now. Yeah, for so I, I don't know what she Yeah, I think I think for her it was about um the fact that it some jobs pay more than others. Some cities pay nurses more than others. Well it's all dependent on the the cost of living. Right, right. I don't know. I, it, have, right. I haven't I didn't speak to this young lady. I'd have a lot of questions for her. Right, right. But my point is to say I've seen people do that. I've seen people make major life transitions. Like like, okay, do I work for the hot dog company or do I work for the soda company? And I'm going to pick the soda company because the soda company paid me 84000 and the hot dog company paid me 81000 Yeah, but what about, your, um, what about your quality of life? What if you just, in your heart and soul, you know you a soda person and you really hate hot dogs? What if, like, you know you meditated and you find out 
that soda is your deep desire and your life purpose is soda. Right. And so that's what for a yeah, couple so, thousand so, dollars. So we're for. right. So we're on the same page, right? Okay. Like I'm saying, don't let go, don't let go of your purpose or your passion, your destiny is far more important than $5,000 a year. Okay. But I see a lot of people walk away from their passion because they need that extra money. And the big reason why is because they've never been trained that you can have your cake and eat it too. You can do what you love and make the money you want, but nobody ever taught you how to make money. Like that's the problem. The only way they taught you how to make money is go get a damn job. That's the worst way in the world to make money. You know how many entrepreneurs I know that can make 10 grand in a day? Like regular yeah. ass people. Yeah, I understand. I mean, I, I'm an I'm technically an entrepreneur. Thank you very much, Boyce Watkins. Yes, you are. I converted you. you. You converted me, but I still got my job. Yeah, well, you like the job. I still have my job, well, you... and I still like it. And it is something that I know that I'm passionate about. So it's so what? What I'm passionate about, I can do it at my place of employment. But I also have my place of employment, which is wonderful. It affords me the opportunity to spend some time on my side hustle, so to speak. No? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think that if your job is something it's that wonderful. you, if you love your job, then I think I'm happy for you, right? And I think, um, and I think for you, it's different. You could keep your job, and I, and more, I think that's a good thing because <laughs> remember, a black man and a black woman have different experiences in their jobs. Like at your university, they don't have a single African American male on the entire faculty. They literally have not one African American male, right? So no, I, they had, we had one back in the day. Right. And he bit the dust. Right, right. So so that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. the the black man's experience in the workplace is very different from the black woman. And people don't talk about it. I guess I don't know if it's taboo to think that or what, but but it's very important for black men to understand that. Like the your son has to have skills on how to make his own money because these white folks just ain't trying to you know, white the white man ain't really trying to take care of another man like that. And you don't want another man taking care of you like you, his damn child, you know, like I, at least that's how I felt. I never felt comfortable in a situation where these people who didn't like me, didn't treat me with respect. You know, everybody's talking about police shootings and all that. But I'm like, man, <laughs> y'all, y'all still disrespect every day. Look at that. Ice Cube was one of the most respected black men on the planet. And they tr- they tried to. They tried to niggerize him. They they ignored sure him. Either. They blew him off. They acted like he didn't matter. And we were involved with what Ice Cube was doing. And, you know, and so it's kind of like that was symbolic of the way white liberals are like, yeah, we'll talk about police shootings, but we don't care about black men that much. We, you know, we, we, we ain't really trying to, like, really try to see y'all empowered. But, and, but that's the way power works. You got to take it. You know, so I think that what millennials are doing, my advice to millennials, if, if anybody wants it, is you know, do you and learn how to do you to the best of your ability, like be you and just get really good at that, you know, whatever mm-hmm. that is. And don't, mm-hmm. don't fall for the okie doke. You know, I don't believe in letting your oppressor teach you how to be successful. They ain't never going to, if you play in a basketball game, the other team will never teach you how to win the game. They're only going to teach you how to lose so that they can get more trophies. Well, clearly they're waking up to a lot of that. Clearly they're waking up to that based on your article, your CNBC article, they're waking up to it. So we need to start rethinking work and employment and environment and conditions of work need to be a little bit better. Yeah, well, well, I think that I think that being a black millennial is different from being a white millennial. I think (laughs) I just I do. I think white millennials are in different situations from black millennials. And that means we have to have different um, 
perspectives like like our reason for not wanting to work for a corporation is different from their reason our objective is different from their objective our needs as a community are different from their needs and um and one of the things one of the pitfalls of black folks that run off to these universities or whatever because i know them all i was on a college campus 27 years um you know or for 20 years i'm sorry 20, about 20 years uh one of the pitfalls is you get black people that go to college and they come out thinking they're white they come out thinking like I'm going to fit in just like white people, you know, sure. I'm a oh. black, like I'm a black version of a white person. Like, because I have an Afro and a dashiki and I have a black lives matter t-shirt, but really I'm integrating really. I, I expect, yeah. I, I want to go work for this company run by a white guy. Uh-huh. And I expect to be treated just like Becky. And then when you're not treated like Becky, you scream and holler and yeah. cry. And all you, and the thing is the reason that you only can know how to scream, holler and cry is because you have no power. Wealth gives you power. Uh, being an employee will never you will never have power when you're an employee that's like that's like saying hoes will have more power than pimps a hoe will never have the power of a pimp period so the best way to if you if you are in a position where you're being pimped the best way to have power over the pimp is stop being a hoe you know be be free you know you ain't gotta go pimp nobody but don't let nobody pimp you and and so well yeah you gotta see the game you gotta see the game for what it is yeah and you gotta learn the rules of the game you gotta learn how to play the rules of the game and you, and it has to be done in a way where you can keep your dignity. <laughs> you yeah. don't want to lose your whole dignity. Yeah. But it pisses you off. It really does when you see Becky and all these people. Their leadership skills are being recognized and yours aren't. And it's very subtle and it can make you very bitter and very angry. So you need to see it for what it is. Right, right. And that bitterness and anger, yeah. um, it comes from the fact that somehow you were misled into believing that white people are the ones who are going to tell you that you're wonderful, beautiful, smart, and special when they were the same people who put you, who made you slaves. Yeah. We got to stop trying to impress them. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's it. Like, so I don't, so I think that if you think about it, right, like I talk about stock options all the time, but before I I teach stock options, I talk about options. What does it mean to have options? Options, any number, another type of freedom, options and freedom are siblings. So basically a person in a negotiation, because you're in a negotiation with white supremacy. You know, they're like, hey, come work for us, Negro. And you're like, well, let me negotiate with you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing about a negotiation is all negotiating theory says that you are in a better position when you have options, period. So if you have options for yourself, meaning that you can walk away from that job, you, you put your child, let's say your child is, let's say it's 20 years from now, your child's got a quarter million dollars in assets because you've been doing like the $5 a day investing plan and your child has skills that allow them to become an entrepreneur if that's what they want to do or an investor or whatever, then their child has options. So they're in that job. They can negotiate more effectively because when the disrespect comes, there is the person, there's the black person who says, oh, you know, I got options. I'm not even mad you disrespecting me. I'm just going to go somewhere where I am going to be respected. Versus versus the person who has no options and all they can do is sit back, scream and cry. I'm just thinking about the stress of it all, like the stress of working around people that, you know, they don't like you and you always have to prove yourself and you always have to show above and beyond that you're worthy of being there more than others. And you really can never really prove yourself to someone who thinks that you're less than anyway. Yeah, let's just not participate. Yeah. Let's build our own economy, boys. Come on. Well, that's what we're doing. That's I mean, right. Well, the black the black community has built quite an economy. It, like I I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if it, if it becomes a trillion dollar economy within the next two, three, four, five years. Like there's millions mm-hmm. of people buying black 
investing black and putting our money with each yeah. other that'd be great i would love for all my clients to be black couples and all of them to be just i'm just flooded with black couples that want to be better and do better and mm-hmm. do what's right because when couples get along the family gets along better well yeah. it's a better learning a better environment for the whole family i would love that well families historically historically the family is um it's like uh, an emotional it's like a, or a genetic gang yeah. it's a gang it's like uh it's a, it's a herd that you connect with for your safety and protection. Mm-hmm. So when you have no family, you have no security because you don't have backup, mm-hmm. you know? So it's very important that you have coping mechanisms so you can get along with each other so that you can survive, you know, because if you're fighting and everybody goes their separate ways, think about it. Imagine if we were, imagine if we were in the zombie apocalypse and we're all, <laughs> you know, seriously, like, like, oh take a, like, like, so we're on the zombie apocalypse and we're all trying to stay alive. And then we start fighting each other and we start killing each other or we start, or we just get mad and we split up and go our separate ways. We will be taken out one by one. So there's strength in numbers and we're weak when we're apart. We're yeah. strong when we're together and we're weak when we're apart. We're, yeah. We're always stronger together. So yeah. the ability to form relationships, maintain relationships and repair relationships is one of the most important skills a person can have uh, when it comes to their survival. Uh, you look at, for example, um, like <clears throat> like just yesterday when I was sitting there talking to D1, because mm-hmm. we have a great relationship, we were talking business. Like, okay, hey, let's work together on this. We can work together on that, right? That helps. That's where we're bringing together our resources and helping each other become successful. But the, the reason that we have that great relationship and we can work together is because we're both good people. You know, because yes, we had conversations yeah. about very prominent people that we've met who um, will remain nameless, who <laughs> did not manage relationships. We did. We talked about uh, two or three people that, yeah, that, that every, everybody would know about where we met them. We were like, man, these, these guys were terrible. Isn't this something how you, both of you had the same experiences with the same people, Yeah, you know, that mm-hmm. you met? Yeah. 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 So, you know, I think a big rule in life is don't be an asshole. You know, like that's what <laughs> I said that I said that at my brother's wedding. That was what, that was part of the toast. I said, don't be an asshole. Be nice to people, be helpful, be supportive, you know, be a good person. Like, I think that goes a long way, you know, and, um, and be gentle. Be gentle with the people you love. Mm, uh, well, I ge- like that gentleness. Well, I'm gonna be gentle with you. Well, you are. You are. You really are gentle with me. Oh, thank yeah. you. So no matter how much you bother me, at least you're <laughs> gentle, and I and I'm I'm okay with it. And I know I bother you too sometimes. Yeah. Well, I don't yell at you. That I mean, maybe I don't know. I don't. It's not that often. You've never yelled. You've never really. You've never haven't done anything really. Uh, you know, I've always been taught like you love a woman, you gotta treat her nice. Like I don't know, I don't get these guys who claim they love a woman and treat her like crap. Like that don't make no sense. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. All right, guys. Um, I'm gonna get on out of here. Do me a favor, hit the thumbs up button, share, subscribe button. Also, this week we're gonna watch a black-owned movie together. Uh, it's totally free. It's a movie called Steps. It's uh, executive produced by Shaquille O'Neal. And uh, also, um, uh, you can learn more about the movie if you go to blackmovienight.net. That's blackmovienight.net. You can register, and uh, it'll be uh, this Thursday night at eight o'clock. So, if you'd like to join us, go to uh, go to that URL right there on the screen. And uh, Latoya says, "I'm over here macking." She said, "I'm macking." <laughs> That's right. I'm the big Mac baby. All right. Well, y'all have a good night, everybody. I'll see you soon. And, and if you, um, I might be on my Twitch channel actually. I'm gonna meet the fellas and play some uh, Call of Duty tonight. So, if you want to talk talk stocks and really? yeah yes call of duty tonight seriously? yes yes guys, yeah i know right crazy <laughs> it's saturday night i'm i'm a wild crazy man tonight <laughs> all right
I love you guys. I'll see you soon. And uh, oh, and, and okay, so where's the Twitch channel? Here's the URL for the Twitch channel if you if you want to follow on Twitch. I have a stocks and gaming channel. So if you like video games and talk about stocks and all that, feel free to follow the Twitch channel. There's the URL on the screen. All right, have a good night, everybody, and uh, I'll see you soon. And uh, love you guys. See you later. Peace. Uh, no.